this morning, and uh, as Dave mentioned, my name is Blair. If I haven't already met you, it's good to meet you from afar, but I hope to see you uh, after service. Um, We're in a series on the the book of James, if you're new or kind of wondering what happens at church, we sort of take the Bible and, and let you know what it says. And we're, we're going through um, James. And in James, we've kind of come to the conclusion that it's a challenging book. It has a lot to say. Uh, it's going to convict you. And our tagline has, has kind of been real faith and then something else. So real faith um, makes us uh, persevere through trial, right? That was kind of the first uh, sermon that Ed uh, preached for us. Real faith perseveres. It, it continues to, to go through trial and hardship or real faith acts. It actually obeys. And, and as I've been watching uh, the preachers kind of come up here and deliver messages, I, I was thinking and watching another um, preacher as well talk about two things that Christianity is about and it might help you with uh, James. Christianity, if you boil it down to the core of what it is, it's about belief and behavior. It's about belief and behavior. And so sometimes when we're reading uh, the book of James, he's going to continue to hit the behavior button. Basically, what he's doing is saying that Christianity is more than just what you believe, what you think, and what you, you kind of think in your heart. Like, yeah, okay, Jesus, he, he died for me. I know he died for me, and I know he Uh, gave himself for me. But then what James is going to tell us and what he's been telling us is you got to start to behave and look like Jesus because of that. And James actually says that, that our works kind of complete our faith. So that might actually help you kind of parse through James because sometimes he's hitting really hard on this behavior button that you feel like, man, I just got to do the, I got to keep doing the right thing. I gotta, earn, I gotta earn this. And James is actually trying to tell us, now that you know that Jesus has died for you, now that you know that Jesus took your place and he went to the cross for you, because of that, we start to act and behave in a certain way. And I thought that was really helpful. James wants us to, to look like Jesus and start to act like Jesus. And... What I'm going to be looking at today is James 3. We're going to be looking at uh, James 3. So if you have your Bible, you might want to turn there. And I thought it was hilarious that this is the, the, the verse I got to preach on. I think there was some scheming between uh, Ed, maybe, and uh, Dustin and Lester, because this verse is a warning. It starts with a warning to preachers and teachers. So I thought it was kind of funny that my first sermon here at Springville would be on this topic. Um, you'll see what I mean as I read it. It might come up eventually, but (laughs) let's read James 3, 1 together. Here's what James says. Not many of you should become teachers. So there we go. That's what I'm talking about. I was like, why did I choose this path? I don't know. Uh, My fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So preachers and teachers will be judged more strictly. So that's a really fun intro for me. And reality is what uh, James is getting at is this. There's a beauty and a weight to preaching. 
There's a weight and beauty to preaching. And one of my favorite uh, theologians, John Piper, says this, the task of preaching is to become an instrument of God to save people from hell. It's to become an instrument of God to save people from hell. That's one of the roles of preaching. That's a big deal. <laughs> That's a huge deal that uh, when we look at the New Testament and we look at what the Bible's actually telling us in the New Testament, it says there's these people and they come together and then right in the middle of the church is the role of preaching and teaching that God would call certain people to take his actual word and deliver it each and every week as the church gathers so that maybe people would come and hear about Jesus and not go to hell. So it's a huge task. It's right at the center of the New Testament. And so that's why there's this huge emphasis for James on preachers and teachers and what they say. Like, I don't want to come up here and tell you what I think. I want to tell you what the Bible says, not what I think. And this is the real faith sort of tagline that we've been doing. And this one for this week, if you're going to remember anything I say, real faith tames the tongue. Real faith tames your tongue. It actually starts to transform what you say. So preachers don't just get up here and say whatever they want. The Bible is taming their tongue. It's taming my tongue. So I don't just go up here and say, oh, that's a cool thought I had today. It's like, what does it say? And that's what preachers have been called to do. They've been called to shape reality for the church. What God actually says and thinks. And so that's a big task, right? And that's why James is a little bit uh, critical, I guess, of teachers who, who want to do this. And there's a great verse in 2 Timothy, uh, if you guys want to turn there quickly, and we'll read it, and it kind of highlights the importance of this. It says this, I give you a command in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, the one who will judge the living and the dead, and by his coming, uh, and by his, coming his kingdom, preach the good news. Be ready at all times and tell people what they need to do. Look at that last line, and tell people what they need to do. The role of the preacher in the church, according to the Bible, is to get up and tell people what they need to do, how they have to order their lives, what they should prioritize. So it's a huge task. Be ready at all times to do so. And that's why that last part in 2 Timothy, be ready at all times and tell people what they need to do is so critical. The preacher helps us see reality or see God's reality properly. See what he wants us to do. And I think you and I have experienced good preaching probably and bad preaching. And what I mean by that is sort of what just what the preacher thinks alone outside of God's word and good preaching, which is God's word. And as Emily and I have uh, come to Springvale, we've, we were away a few weeks ago on vacation and I remember saying to her, man, I miss being at church. I miss coming under the word of God each week. And then we came back the next week and, um, and Lester was preaching and we were just uh, so thankful that we got to hear from the word of God. 
There's a, there's a, a, a shaping and a molding that happens when you continue to do that in your life, when you prioritize that, right? Because it tells you what you need to do. And you might, you might have heard a preacher talk about like progressive Christianity, right? Or even the prosperity gospel. And what we've been learning in James is that the first lesson we heard from Ed was you might have a harder time being a Christian than being not a Christian because the Bible is going to call you to do certain things or you might go through certain things because of being a Christian. Right? And this verse in 2 Timothy tells us this. So, So preaching is beautiful because it tells us what we need to do, right? It tells us what we need to do. But I'm gonna flip it and, and not just uh, challenge our preachers and teachers because that's the first part. The second part, I think, is we should be ready at all times to preach the good news of Jesus. That's what this verse is commanding. You know, I was with a friend and he was telling me about how he had basically full out explained the gospel to somebody at work. And I remember thinking about this verse. This person has become ready to preach the good news at all times. So for the preacher, James is going to say, hey, real faith better produce a tame tongue. It better produce the words of God to the people. And for all of us, we, be ready, we should be ready at all times to preach the good news, because real faith produces a tamed tongue. That's what James is saying, at, uh, saying right here in 3 verse 1. So I've thought a lot about that, obviously. And here we have James 3. We'll move down to James 3, uh, verse 3 to 6. Here's what this says. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. This is the crazy part of this whole passage. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. That's what James says about our tongue. So sometimes the Bible starts to, um, like it, it just sounds a little crazy. It's like, what am I reading? This is insane. But this is what James is actually challenging with us with, right? There's a, a movie that I love. And as I explain it, you'll probably, you might know the movie. I'll reveal it at the end. Uh, so there's this person and he lives in the States and he's, he loves football, this, this guy. And he's, He's a little, uh, at the first scene of the movie, he's, this, he's a kid and he's playing football with his brothers and they kind of push him aside and get the touchdown. And, you know, he's a little defeated and he moves on. And he, his goal in life is to play for the fighting Irish Notre Dame football team and play for them. That's his goal. Like, that's all he wants, right? But he's small and his family, you know, his brothers pick on him and say, you're too small, dude. You're not going to get all the way there. It's just not going to happen. His dad kind of says, look, Rudy, just pick our life. There's nothing wrong with our life. You know, we, we're blue collar people. We work hard and, and, and maybe that's for you. Don't, don't try and go all the way to Notre Dame. It's just not going to happen. But he doesn't listen. 
And he fights and he fights and he fights and he gets to uh, junior, he has to go to junior college though to get in because his high school marks weren't good enough. So he goes to junior college on his last attempt at applying. He gets in, he's in, he's, he's at the school. He's not on the football team yet, but he made it into the school. And then he walks on the football practice uh, roster, tries to get on the roster by just showing up to the football practice. And through a number of efforts, he makes the team. So he's on this high, like it's exciting. It's amazing how uh, he's worked. You, you probably relate. You've worked so hard for something. You keep fighting for something and you make it there, right? And then as he's experiencing this amazing high, he is told that at game day, he's not able to play. So he's worked really hard for this thing. And then He's soaring, you know, he's doing great. And then he's told he's not on the actual playing roster and he quits. He quits. So there's this one friend though, this one person that's been with him through everything that has supported him, given him a place to actually sleep and all this stuff. And then he says to him, you're going to quit at this point. He says this to him. He says, you're five foot nothing. So you're five foot six or something like that. You're a hundred and nothing. So you're about 105 pounds, which if you play football or no football, it's not a good combination. And then he says, you have no athletic ability at all. So it's just like, okay, thanks. You have no athletic ability at all. And you hung in there with the greatest athletes in the country. Don't quit. And then he says this, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. Because in that moment, he quit because he thought, that everybody else was right about who he was. You're too small. They're right, he says. They're right. I'm not, I, I'm not good enough to... And I wanted to show them. I wanted to run out of the tunnel with the, the fighting Irish and, 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 and play in front of my family to prove, to prove to them. You see, our words do one of two things. They either tear people down or lift people up. They either tear others down or lift people up. And Rudy in that moment kind of experiences what both, it's Rudy, by the way, the movie. Uh, Rudy in that moment, he experiences good, a good encouragement. It's kind of a slap in the face, like, hey, wake up, you did a great job, dude. But he's also experienced the negative that he believes it. And you know, you could talk about how there's a place as a Christian where you come and you get to a spot where you're secure in who you are. And that's a kind of a different moment. What we're saying right now is our words can affect people. They can really hurt others. And it doesn't mean you can't be truthful, but what does it do to the person? Does it sort of encourage them with the truth or does it tear them down? How are you doing in this area? Like, look at the verse. Here's what it says. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Is your life like on fire? Are there people not around you anymore because you've burned bridges because of what you've said? That's the challenge that James is actually getting at and it's a little uncomfortable. I've got to filter everything through here. Man, like, man, what, did I, what have I said to people? And it's not that you get there and just feel totally defeated, but you go, okay, is real faith producing a tame tongue in me? Is it producing a tame tongue? So you're with your family and they tell you about this great new thing that they've gotten or this new job or, or, or whatever. Uh, you're, you're with your friends and they're excited about something and you, you just want to tear it down. 
because maybe you're jealous, whatever. What is faith doing in you? Is it producing a tamed tongue? Or is it setting the course of your life on fire? Is what James has to say. So we have to, as Christians, come to a place where our tongue is tamed. Now, um, James has been kind of weaving together this idea of a tame tongue for, for chapter one and chapter two. He says, actually, um, in verse 119, let every person be slow to speak and quick to listen, right? Or in 126, he says, a religious person who hasn't bridled his tongue has a worthless religion. If he hasn't bridled his tongue, his religion is worthless. It doesn't mean anything. This is that behavior and belief thing again. James is saying, you've got to start to look like Jesus. I've got to start to look like Jesus. And this, in this way, it's through our tongue. That is obviously challenging. He's been sort of priming us and weaving this together. And then he sort of comes out and really says it in in number uh, in verse three or chapter three rather, real faith tames the tongue. Here uh, we'll look now to verse seven, which once again is going to confuse us. I think. Uh, hopefully, I can help us through it. But it says this: all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed. So things can be tamed. But then he says, "But no human being can tame the tongue." It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. So here I am up, up here saying to you guys, hey, hey, make sure you, you say the right thing and, and help people and encourage people and lift people up. And then James says, that's impossible. So who's lying? <laughs> Me or James, right? The reality that I think James is trying to get at here is this. And it goes against the cultural sort of current today. I don't know if you know who Tony Robbins is. Um, I actually got to see Tony uh, live, which was cool. Some friends gave me tickets, and I just said, I want to know what this guy's about. I've seen him on the, you know, he helps all these athletes with mindset stuff, and he says some okay things, right? Like, if you're feeling low, get out and move and walk, and, and obviously we know that God created things in our minds to respond when we move, and that's great. But then he says this, and this is really common today. He says... All the problems of life are, are found within. Or, or he says this, um, it's, uh, release the beast within. <laughs> so you have business problems, you have like uh, problems in your marriage, whatever. Look inwards. Muster up enough strength, you know, within yourself to fix your problems. And that is a common, uh, I think, thought for the culture today. And James is going to say to- something totally different. He's going to say, you need to become humble and come under what God has to say. And actually, the only way for you to tame your tongue is to come under God and, and accept that you and I need God to have a tame tongue. That we cannot do it in our own strength. It's impossible. I need to see what James is saying as, man, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I can't muster up enough strength within myself to tame my tongue. That's impossible. I need to first start with God. 
So maybe you're sitting and you're saying, man, I feel convicted because my tongue isn't tamed. James is going to say, no human being is able to do that. And, and he's going to ask you to lean in and rely on God. So uh, one thing I do with the youth every once in a while is I ask them to recall certain things. So um, I was with Lester, actually, and Lucy, one of our students, uh, usually sits up here with her family. And I ask them to recall something. And uh, usually every lesson I'll say something like, you know, like what I'm doing here. Real faith, you know, produces a tame tongue. And I'll have everybody repeat it. And um, we're going to do that sort of in a sense. So I'm going to kind of say real faith produces a tamed tongue. Or actually, why don't we do this? Real faith tames the tongue. A little simpler. Simpler, And we'll see, hopefully by next week, you know, if the youth are around, we can, you know, see who really remembers. So I'll say real faith tames the tongue and you guys repeat it. So real faith tames the tongue. Real faith tames the tongue. And again, if you're going to remember anything that I've said, <laughs> that's the thing. Real faith tames our tongue. And if we'll look at uh, verses 9 here to 12, the end of our passage... With the tongue, it says, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So the reminder for us again, the practical application for us again, is when I'm sort of going at somebody, they're made in the image of God. That should be on my mind. That should be on your mind. That they're made in God's likeness. And, and James is going to, it's amazing how he's sort of woven this all together. He's going to end um, our scripture saying this, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Here's what James is actually getting at. If you have been a Christian forever or you don't even know what I'm talking about, at the core of Christianity is the reality that Jesus took on our sin on the cross, died for us. And I think we often forget that Paul speaks to like a new reality, that a transforming reality that comes to Christians. It's often said in uh, the New Testament, like we're a new creation. So we've, be, we've become new. So you might feel awful about the stuff you do in and every single day. You might feel brutal about what it is you do. And what the Bible's gonna tell you is you're new, you're brand new. You've been made new, you're a new creation. So James is trying to tell us those who have been transformed, fresh water should now be coming out of us. Fresh water should be produced. Not salt water anymore because that was the old thing. That was my old self that produced salt water and now I have a new self that produces new, fresh, clean water. There's something at the bottom of Christianity and it has everything to do with being transformed and becoming brand new. That's the beauty of the gospel. Now, the reality is, uh, what I am not saying is we're going to just go on our life and be perfect. 
That isn't going to happen. But there's a challenge here from James. Do you believe that you can produce fresh water because of Jesus? Because of Jesus, not, not in yourself, but because of Jesus, because of what he's done, I become new and, a, and fresh water starts to come out. And maybe you've never made that decision to say, Lord, I totally need you to help me. I want to be saved. I don't want to be apart from you forever. I want to be new. If that is you, I would recommend finding someone you trust here at the church, someone who's maybe walked along that path and talk to them about that. That you want what Jesus has to offer. You've seen what he's done. You know what he's done and you just want to take that next step. So real faith tames the tongue. And Christianity is trying totally to take us from people who just believe stuff to people who behave because of what Jesus has done for us. And throughout this week, I, I pray that you and I would be challenged by these words that James has to say, that we think, what does real faith say about what I'm about to say? Do my words tear down or build people up. So again, James is trying to challenge us and convict us. And, and what we've said from the beginning is, hey, you know, if you've walked along this series and not felt convicted yet, we're not reading it right. <laughs> I think that's what Ed let it off with. And I think that's totally true. Let's pray together, church, and then we'll move on. Lord, we thank you for the book of James. Albeit challenging. <laughs> and uh, Lord, we thank you for faithful preaching that loves the word, that sees preachers in pulpits as uh, instruments to save people from hell. Lord, I pray that we as a church at Springville would, would not take for granted what we have here as a church, that there are preachers that are faithful, that get up each week, that share with us the word of God. That is an amazing reality. And over time, we get shaped and we learn to love that. Lord, help us uh, realize that we're made new. We're actually brand new because of you, Jesus. Let that be a catalyst for our behavior to change, for fresh water to flow out of our mouths. And Lord, when we fall, yeah, that we would just say, God, I need you again and again and again because I won't be perfect, God. And so, Lord, I, I pray that if anybody either online or here in the building, Lord, that felt that they just wanted to know more about you, Jesus, that they wanted to make a decision to follow you, that they would find someone that they know has walked with you and, and can ask them, hey, how do, I, how do I commit my life to this Jesus guy? And so, Lord, we pray this week that real faith will tame our tongue. And we pray all this in your name. Amen.